Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Biggie. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. You are now listening to the Hot Take Hot Box. Ladies and gentlemen, Hot Take Hot Box. Coming to you fresh off of a sweep of those Washington Nationals, those lowly Washington Nationals. But again, I am celebrating every win the same because it is a long, long baseball season. And in the years past, the Phillies have not taken care of business. I will continue to bang that drum for as long as I have to during this stretch run here. But we are now in the month of August. The Phillies have made their trades. They have made their moves. And now it is time to take care of business and continue to roll on. Nine of their last ten games have been wins. The one loss being against the Braves. But before that, a sweep I mean, a Braves, four against the Pirates, one loss to the Braves, a win against the Braves, and then four in a row to the Nationals. They have been on an absolute tear right now, continuing to just stack wins together, put themselves even in a in a higher position. I mean, we will talk about it, but they are running down the Braves. They are they have already tracked down the Padres, which I we know we all have talked about the moves and the additions they've made. They are not going to just go away quietly, but it is a good sign to see that the Phillies have just continued to put wins together, and they now have two games in between them and the team on the outside looking into the playoffs right now. That is the Milwaukee Brewers, who have fallen to the St. Louis Cardinals, who have run them down. After the, it seemed like the Brewers threw the talent by trading Josh Hader, although they got a haul. Uh, when you're leading the division and, and you kind of trade one of your key players in the clubhouse, it sends a message that you're not trying to win. You're trying, you're kind of punting on the season and you're good on it. And it's tough for the players to get up and play for for a team like that. And they're now they're losing to the Reds. They they just come off of a. They've lost two in a row, four of their last six. It's just not not good situation in Milwaukee. So hopefully we can at least guarantee ourselves a playoff spot. Maybe we could even run down the Braves, who we're only three games back of now. We've talked about on here that the Phillies, for the most part, have not been on the Braves' level. Braves could not had nothing to give the uh, Mets. The Mets, it seems like no one is going to catch. I know I talked about uh, pipe dreams of that early in the season. It doesn't look like anybody's going to catch them. They've been on an absolute tear. Everyone is freaking out about Edwin Diaz's uh, walkout song. Every they're all they're all the biggest fans of him now. I mean, I would be too. One thirty nine ERA, bam, 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 bam. You know all, all that shit. So the, it seems like everything is going perfectly for the Mets. But the Mets are always going to Mets, and I whether that happens now or in the playoffs, I refuse to believe that they are a team that I am going to be in a cold sweat, laying in bed, looking at the roof, thinking, oh my God, we have to play the Mets this week. The Mets have had our number, believe me, but I, I just, maybe maybe call me delusional, call me whatever. I, I just refuse to have this striking fear in my heart about the Mets. So let's just get into the fills from this past weekend with just domination of the Nationals hitting around 14 to, I think 14 home runs was the final number. 15, maybe 15, I'm not, I think it might have been four. It's one of those two numbers, a ridiculous amount of home runs in the series against the Nationals. uh, You know, it doesn't hurt the fact that it's 95 
plus degrees out on some of these nights. Humidity is is at high. If you are from this area or you're around walking around, you all know. And, and even if you're listening to this podcast uh, worldwide, let me just tell you, it's hot, it's humid, and, and it has been like that for it seems like weeks on end uh, at this point. So it, it that they call that good hitting weather. It is hitting season, as Charlie Manuel said once once upon a time. And the Phillies are displaying that on a night-in and uh, night-out basis. So, first game of the series, Syndergaard, he gets the start. His home opening uh, first appearance in a Phillies jersey wasn't exactly sharp. Gave up 11 hits, 4 runs. Like It was not a good start for Syndergaard. Phillies gave them 5 runs. They win in a rain delay in a game that definitely could have gone the other way, uh, you know, it just Castellanos throws a guy out at the plate, and then the, and then the tarps come on, and then it's raining, but then it's not, and it's sort of an off and on situation all night. Phils uh, get away with a nice victory there, and uh, who knows how that game could have ended, or what could have gone wrong, or right, or you know, we no one knows. All we know is the Phillies were given the victory. They had to call the game uh, t- after a two-hour rain delay. They tried to waited out and it just you know that rain just kept sticking around and hanging around lightning it, it was not a uh, rain that you could play in and uh, although like we said like uh, it, it wasn't a torrential downpour for portions of the night it was a dangerous situation team could not play and they were forced to call it no complaints from me Syndergaard gets out of there he gets a he gets a win in, in his in his first game which you know, rightfully or unrightfully so, whatever, you can have that argument. Hoskins homered, first inning home run. Uh, Hoskins with another RBI. Bohm with another homer, three-run homer. And that's how the Phillies got their runs. Kind of got away from Syndergaard there in the fifth, but like I said, they were able to get out of that inning with a uh, fly out to right field, and Castellanos guns a guy out at the plate. Thanks for coming. Phillies get out of there. Friday night. Phils win 7-2. Gibson goes perfect into the seventh inning, I believe. He retire or at least through the sixth. Perfect through six. Goes retires 18 of the uh, first batters uh, and one run ball, eight innings, two hits allowed, four Ks, one walk. Just dominant, 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 dominant performance. Phils jump out to an early lead. Another Hoskins first inning home run, which you know it seemed like a uh, a theme of the weekend, which was obviously home runs. But also Hoskins is getting hot again, so that that is something to look out on or look forward to. How about Castellanos, another guy who it seems like he's getting hot again. He's now double digit home runs. He hits a first inning home run after a JT triple, and then Derek. I mean, Nick Castellanos smoked that ball on Friday night. I think they said three eighty or three. You you could have convinced me. You could have told me four forty, and I would have believed that. The way that ball exploded off the bat was unbelievable. But. They, that's 3 nothing. Derek Hall gets a home run. Then JT comes up in the third, hits a two-run home run. And then he, this time he hits Reese home. So, you know, Schwarber with a home run in the seventh. They just got runs on runs on runs. They were up 7 nothing, and then they coasted their way to a victory. Phils go to, I always like to see who they go, Brad Hand. After, after eight innings, they just throw Brad Hand in there. He gives up a run. But, again, a not really high leverage, consequential situation. Just get him some work, and they get the W. So... Saturday night, Ranger Suarez on the mound. Patrick Corbin gets absolutely hit around the yard to begin this game. And you talk about a guy in Patrick Corbin who is stealing money on an uh, actively stealing money. I mean, he should be taken to jail on the spot this instant the way he has been stealing money for, uh, for the Nationals. I mean, Patrick Corbin, a guy who the Phillies were in, in conversations with and in the talks to sign. 
You know, like he, he was a guy that we were trying to bring in at a certain point. I mean, this is a guy who was getting paid. He's getting paid $23 million this season, 24 next season, 35 in base salary in 2024. He signed a hundred and eight. Oh, I'm sorry. He signed a six-year, one hundred and forty million dollar deal in 2019, and it's kind of one of those uh, escalator deals that just continues to go up in uh, price and just continues to raise the annual value of the deal as the years go on. Now, he's got uh, incentives for World Series MVP, LCS MVP, stuff like that. Ten million deferred to 2025. Uh, there's just this is just a, 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 a I, I struggle to find the right words for a deal such a like a monstrosity of a deal an albatross I don't even know if that's the proper use of that term but that is what the Patrick Corbin deal is and that is thankfully not our situ- or not our problem or just and we have no who cares we get to thrive off of this horrific contract because he will continue to pitch for the lowly nationals at every i mean he's 4 and 16 this season he is 4 and 16 he has a 7 run 7 ERA so it's 7.02 let me let that let me let that marinate there for a little bit 7 earned run average that's insanity but hoskins another First inning home run here to start the game. Veerling hit a two, or I'm sorry, hit a three-run homer. Absolutely nukes the ball. Shout out to Notre Dame. Bryson Stott with a triple into the gap. Fills up 6-0 with no problem. And the Nationals have to go to the bullpen. He goes two-thirds of an inning. That's your starting pitcher going two-thirds of an inning. He gets yanked. Uh, Phils continue the run parade in the second inning. Uh, you know, a, a triple, another triple for JT Romuto. Uh, Castellanos hits him home. Edmundo Sosa getting in the action, playing third base, giving Bohm a night off. I mean, are you kidding me? The Phils, have, the Phils were just, uh, just flexing and continuing to ride that hot streak, man. They they were no joke this weekend. I mean, Veerling had three RB, like I said, he had three RBIs. Stott, Sosa, Hoskins, you know, Schwarber 0 for 4. It seems like he, yeah, when everyone else is hitting, he's not. And then when no one else is hitting, he's the one that has to come and save save the day by hitting a nuke or, or, or doing whatever it is that he is asked of him or needed. Phils get it done. Suarez goes five and a third. You got a little Nelson action, giving up some runs. Bilotti gave up a run. Alvarado and Canable closed the door. But again, not really exactly a high leverage situation. The game was over before it even began. And the Phils kind of coasted for the rest of the game. And then yesterday, pretty much more of the same stuff. Four home runs in this one. Uh, yesterday being Sunday, if you're listening this to this on a different uh, day, or you get confused as to what day it is. You have sundowners, uh, whatever it is that you have going on. I'm just trying to help you out out there. But Aaron Nola, he goes six strong, takes care of business. A gentleman by the name of Corey Abbott, uh, he didn't have much for the fills. He ge- he goes four innings. He serves up some bombs. I'll let you know who scored some runs here. We had another Derek Hall home run. We had an Alec Bohm uh, walking in a run. We had a Maton homer. We had a Hoskins who had to wait till the fourth inning to hit a home run. Four straight games with a home run. Another Derek Hall home run. Maton with a single that scored a run. Uh, Bryson Stott with another double that scored a couple runs. I'm sorry, that that was a basis clearing double. So Bryson Stott, talk about a guy who has absolutely turned it on. And especially it seems like now, no Didi, 
no one uh, breathing down his neck or no 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 uh, worry uh, of his spot getting taken or you know someone playing over him on a night in and night out basis he's up to 204 someone who was riding in the 168 170 range maybe a couple weeks ago who is sneaky hot right now and he loves that uh, opposite field left left center gap and he seemingly has been finding it uh it seemed like all weekend he was finding that gap and he is just another guy if if he gets going man this Phillies team is tough 1 through 1 through 9 they are a tough lineup to get out some of these guys and even mate i mean i talk, i i here's another guy i banged the drum for Nick Maton i didn't understand some of the moves that were being made because when you have a guy like i get he was hurt but every time Nick Maton has come up uh, I know it's a really small sample size, but every time he's come up, he's hit the ball. He's only has he only has four games uh, on the record this year, but he's batting six hundred. Okay, he's got two home runs, a double, a triple. Like he just he produces, and he's not a bad fielder. He's again not expecting him to play every day, but he's a good guy to throw in there uh, when, when there's a righty pitcher or you need to just a guy needs a day off. Anything you could name whatever you want. He is a good good guy to have on your team. And uh, I'm glad, again, I just brought up DD a little bit. I am glad that the Phils did make the right move and they got rid of DD and uh, just re- straight up released him. Again, it was the right move. It's a tough decision to make. He's making a lot of money and, and you could have had him maybe come off the bench or you use the argument that he's got veteran leadership and he's been on teams that have made playoff runs and yada, yada, yada. But... At the end of the day, he just he was not producing, and I'd rather take a a guy who you know, like Kyle Schwarber's been there and done that. He's been on teams that have made playoff runs. I'll take that, and a guy who's actually playing and producing, as opposed to a DD's sort of veteran leadership or whatnot. Uh, I'll take Nick Maton's production when he is in the game, and not only not only home runs or double, you know, like it just he these all, all these other guides. Guys, uh, provide so much for the team. They give they give us so much. Uh, when Didi was not really giving us anything at all, you know, it, it's it's a tough, tough situation, a, a, a tough uh, way for Didi's Philly career to end. But it, it just it kind of a hands tied behind your back situation. You had to do what you had to do. The Phillies. Have really no choice but to move on from Didi for the for the better betterment of the 2022 and the future of the Phillies. So the good thing is you'll see Stott as much as possible out there at shortstop. He's looked good. He's obviously looked good all season long with the glove, uh, and it looks like the bat's starting to turn around. He's not uh, maybe popping up as much or swinging for the fences maybe like he was earlier in the season or kind of just getting his head out of uh, you know his head off the ball and just kind of wild swings seems like he's way more under controlled more comfortable up at the plate he's making pitchers work he's he's seeing a lot of pitches he's running long at bats and long counts it's it's good to see from Bryson Stott what you know what we've seen so far and like I said you have the Edmundo Sosa's the Maytons you know Segura is back now Segura can ease his way back into playing and they don't have to play him every day. They can throw a Maton in there, and he can just, you know, outproduce what Segura has done all weekend, or you know, can at least keep the ship afloat when when these guys need a, a day off or a little bit of a rest, or you're trying to ease them back into the 
the swing the swing of things, I guess, is what I'm looking for. So the Phils now with a five man rotation, okay? They have a solid, solid five man rotation. They have a bullpen that has a David Robertson who you know they've just plugged in and he has you know, wasn't exactly needed this weekend due to the fact that the Phils just blew every blew them out all weekend long. I mean, he was able to pitch this past uh, this Sunday, but it's like you know, Dominguez. These guys are just trying to they're getting them in there to get a little bit of work. You know, like they they're not necessarily needed. You could have thrown an innings either like a Nick Nelson if you needed to, and you wouldn't have to you know have used your guys if they needed a rest. But again, like they they, just, they needed some work because. They're gonna have they're have this off day today. They were gonna have a couple of these. You know they haven't really pitched it in, in any high leverage situations since the Braves game on Wednesday. So that would be almost a whole week of rest. So weekends and series like this where you can get your bullpen rest is only going to help and add to the uh, case that the Phils are are primed to make a serious run here down these last couple months. You have a lineup. That is very solid, pretty much from top to bottom. Uh, there's not any glaring, glaring weaknesses. You have left field with Schwarber. You have right field with Castellanos. I mean, Derek Hall has more than exceeded expectations in, uh, I would say, keeping the ship afloat while Bryce is out. And Bryce had the, like we talked about, had the pins removed from his thumb, and he's inching closer. He's starting to hit off a tee. They're looking at a late August, September-ish, like 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 I predicted, uh, return for him, and, and the need for him or the uh, the absolute like we are we are fucked without him is kind of gone due to the fact that Derek Hall has more than like I said exceeded expectations and has held his own in that DH spot, especially against righties, and he was he was absolutely up there hitting home runs with with the rest of this uh, squad this weekend. He had two yesterday, so. He has, like I said, more than uh, held his own up here at the big club. They took a shot on him, a triple-A guy who was kind of a lifer triple-A guy. He gets a chance, and he has, like I said, I'll just say it one more time for everyone out there. He has exceeded expectations. And shout-out to Derek Hall. Phillies now. And the starting, like I said, starting rotation of Syndergaard, Nola, Wheeler, Suarez and Gibson, you're no, you don't have the holes, the Bailey Falter, the bullpen games like you did in the past. So now you're you're legit now. You're legit in in all facets of the game. You don't have a a true blue weakness. And I don't see, I truly don't see any reason why this team couldn't make a run. Not only to the playoffs, but in the playoffs and and win around at least. You know, like especially when you're going to get a guy like Bryce Harper back at some point. And maybe he might even be able to play the field, and that that would add the, add to the defense. You have Brandon Marsh out in center, who is a great glove, who is a net positive plus like nine uh, defensive runs saved. You have Matt Veerling out there who can play when there's a lefty pitcher and can give Marsh the night off because he's not exactly the the best at hitting left left handed pitching right now. So it's just you have options. You have so many different options to go to now. This is a team, and you have a manager who's not scared to make the tough decisions and who, it seems, is pressing all the right buttons at this time. So I I don't, I really don't see the negative or the reason why they can't make a run. Uh, the offense has gone cold for spurts this season, but we have not seen that for a while. And 
I don't. I, I just have no reason to think negatively about anything that's going on right now. Phils, like I said, they have a home series against the Marlins this week. They have a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, Wheeler is going to lead it off against a Braxton Garrett, who 388 ERA, not bad. Uh, Sandy Alcantara, again, we have to uh, see against Syndergaard. Hopefully we get a better performance from Syndergaard on Wednesday night. And then a business person special on Thursday afternoon. Kyle Gibson is scheduled to pitch against Edward Cabrera, who's only thrown 20 innings, but he has a 2-6-1 ERA. Then the Phils head to New York. And they will take on the division-leading New York Mets, who have seemingly uh, just been able to dominate every team that they, they've come up against. 8-2 and two in their last 10. They just swept the Braves with ease. And, uh, you know, if we were chasing the Mets, that would suck. But also, we have to catch the Braves first, especially if we want that number one wild card and we want those home games. That's what we're looking for. So that's what I'm looking for. We're going to have plenty of games against the Braves. We're going to have plenty of games against the Mets. But we're also going to have plenty of games against the Reds. Against the Reds. Against the Pirates. Against the Diamondbacks. Against the Giants who have fallen by the wayside. Against the Nationals again. You know, the Marlins again. The Nationals again. The good thing about our division being garbage is that we have those games in the tuck. Uh, you know, the Cubs again who swept us, but... I'm hoping that it will go down differently towards the end of September, and hopefully we're more we're more in a position of power by then, where we don't necessarily need these games, and we've put some games in the bank. We have a four game series with the Nationals at the end of the year. Like we have plenty of opportunity to run the score up on these people, and run the games up. I mean, we are at the at this very moment. We are 60 and 48. We are 12 games above 500. Like I said, we are nine and a half out of the National League East. Three back of the Braves, who are now ahead of us in the wild card. We are a half game above the Padres, who are the last wild card. Now we have jumped into the second wild card spot. And the Brewers, who we have two games on. We have set, like seven games on, on the Giants. The Giants are done. It's pretty much a four-team race for three spots. And it like I told you about the Brewers, I don't see the Brewers being able to hang on for a long period of time. If we, I, I, I will do this exercise. Let's go through, see who the Brewers are playing. Brewers have games coming up against the Rays here Tuesday and Wednesday. So that these are home games. And then they have to play the Cardinals again, which is good for us because they, they, those two are playing each other. So someone's going to have to knock someone down and we'll be able to collect some wins, hopefully. Dodgers, four-game series against the Dodgers at home. Cubs, which... You never know. Dodgers again, Cubs again, Pirates, Diamondbacks. So they, they have plenty of games where they maybe could get some wins back. They even have a series against the Yankees at a certain point. But if they can't even beat the Reds, they're not they're they kind of remind me of the Phillies a couple years ago, where it's like, you know, if you can't beat the good the, the bad teams, then how am I supposed to expect you to beat these good teams? It's more of a situation of just I, I I don't I think that the the front office kind of quit on this season by trading Josh Hader and in turn I think that the the Brewers are gonna quit on them they they have a great pitching staff and they have a good team like overall but it, it's at a certain point you run out of gas you run out of steam it's a long season and when the front office has quit on you like that and traded one of your best players no matter how many prospects you got they can't help you this season 
So, you got manager quotes coming out. We have to respond to this recent skid. Uh, it's Craig Council saying that stuff. It's just, I don't see how that, that plays out well for the Brewers. You know, like, it, it just, you can't sell one off one of your best pieces and expect to, the rest of the team to kind of survive if you're not a team that's been there, done that necessarily. So, that's the that's where I'm at with the Phils. The Phils, nothing but positivity, nothing but good vibes. Uh, shout out to K- KO Primetime. Feels like 08 again. It, it always does uh, around this time of year. But this year is different. I'll continue to say that because this year is 100% different. The Phillies have a different vibe around them. They are a team that is having fun. Uh, I'm sure plenty of people have pointed out that just a couple, I think 18 or I think it was 20, 2018, the team was 63 and 48 at a certain point. But this team had no that team had nowhere near the actual competent players and real solidified core of guys who you can count on. That that was pre Bryce Harper. That's the infamous Nola season where he was two thirty seven ERA, seventeen and six. You had Arietta out there who was I mean, 10 and 11, but under 4 ERA, which was the last probably serviceable year you got out of him. Eflin, Vince Velasquez, Pavetta. Shout out to Pavetta when that that, that dream was still going on. That was a good season from uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, Tommy Hunter, Adam Morgan, Luis Garcia. I mean, Hector Neris, just the, the, the ghost of the past were out there. And then your everyday sort of starting lineup, I mean, you still had Nick Williams out there playing 140 games. You had Oduble in center playing 148. Hoskins was playing left field then, which was crazy because you had Carlos Santana playing first base. Cesar, Kingery's batting 226, playing everywhere. And Michael Franco, who was out there as well. So, I mean, just a kind of disgusting. And Alfaro's playing catcher. So, it's just kind of a disgusting, disgusting season. And no wonder... When I read that those names and I read that season, you had Joey Bats at, at towards September. When I read you those names, you're like, oh yeah, no wonder they fell apart. Okay, yeah, no wonder this team just completely collapsed down the stretch. Yeah, I think this team is different. I don't think they're going to collapse the way those teams in the past have. And I have a true blue belief in what is going to happen for these next two months for all the reasons I've given you on all of these episodes for the past two weeks, months, everything. I will continue to bang the drum. And that's what we're doing here. And that's the name of the episode today. I'm going to keep banging the drum. Go Phils. Never stop believing. Never, ever stop believing. So, there we are with the Phils. A little bit of Eagles talk here to close it out. I will have a another episode this week. I'll have a guest on. Going to do some schedule prediction and whatnot, uh, I, like I talked about. They had the open practice last night, the one they do at the link in front of all the fans, and it seems like a lot of the uh, the consensus uh, takeaway from that is that Jalen Hurts, is the passing game does not look much different than it did last year. That's not surprising. That they're not going down the field. It's a lot of dink and dunks. Uh, dunks a lot of inside 10 yards. A, a lot of just the passing game looking the exact same as it did last year. And that's not really all that surprising to me. 
I, I, I'm, I'm a guy who, like I told you, I'm an Eagles fan, number one. I want to believe in Jalen Hurts, but I don't believe in players just changing completely who they are. I think they can get better, but Jalen Hurts has never really been that great of a thrower of the football. He's, he's, a, he's a good football player. He will, he's a gamer. He's a good leader. He is a good game manager, and that's not a term I use to, with disrespect because game managers like Jimmy Garoppolo and other people have led teams to Super Bowl berths and, and, and things of that nature, but he is just not a guy where, I'm, where I told you like he's not going to lose you a game necessarily, but he's not going to win you a game. He's definitely not going to win you a game. Losing the game is a different story because you could argue he's losing you games by not being able to play the position at the level that you need him to play. You can have that argument. I'm not going to have that today. I think it is 100% concerning. Uh, Again, I am not going to get really worked up because, again, it's still training camp. We are still a month away, uh, a little bit more than a month away from these games mattering and actually meaning something. So I'm not going to get up in arms or get all worked up with this stuff and, uh, you know, oh, he's not passing the ball is is his percentage in training camp today like I I talked about that kind of last week I'm not going to get really worked up about that but you'd rather see the guy play well as opposed to these things coming out after these opening open practices and him getting sacked a lot and just constant negativity coming out about Jalen Hurts and you all out there can say well that's just what the media wants they just want to thrive on negativity and there's a lot of people down there saying the same shit I don't think this is a narrative thing or a someone trying to spin something into this or that. He's simply just not. He hasn't taken that step that everyone was looking for. He's not going to turn into this passer that everyone thinks that he can be or that he is who he is at a certain point. There's only so much better you can get. And I think Jalen Hurts is... He's going to get more refined. I hope he gets better at reading defenses and reading the field and making quicker decisions. But as far as throwing the football or becoming more of a conventional quarterback, I really never saw that happen or foresaw or foresee whatever I'm looking for here. Foresaw that happening uh, when you project his future and whatnot. I just don't, I'm not a big guy in. in like uh, forecasting things that I've never even had an inclining or a reason to forecast, not to bring up a uh, sensitive subject or just just as an example, Ben Simmons' jump shot. I, I never saw a reason for why people kept telling me, well, it's going to happen. He, he, he will become a shoot. Like he will get better at shooting. I mean, what do you think? He's not going to get better. Uh, he's going to work on it. He's going to do this. He's going to do like, you can't, you can't just expect these things to happen when a guy has never been able to do it in the last, what, seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years of his basketball life or his football life. At a certain point, players are who they are. They don't just magically uh, gain or, or grow these skills that they've never they've never had before. Now, I'm not saying people can't get better, but you're talking about two different things there. Simmons always could have gotten better as a facilitator, as a driver of the basketball, scorer of the basketball, because those two, scoring and shooting, are two separate issues. He could have gotten better at shooting free throws. But shooting the basketball, that is a thing he never did, 
he would work on some some LA fitness videos that would come out but if you're not even willing to try it or shoot it then you that's a bigger issue than making or making or missing you know what i mean with hurts he's never really been a great pocket passer he's never really been a great passer of the football down the field i mean there's a reason he was taken out in the national championship for Tua who started to attack Georgia's defense down the field now, I'm sure some SEC nut is going to come at me and be like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Point is, Jalen Hurts is not that good of a thrower of the football. He is not that good at dissecting defense. He is not that good at being an NFL quarterback. Now, uh, again, these two issues are separate. Can he win you games? Yes. Has he won you games? Can he run an offense? Yes. Can he run the ball? He absolutely can. But if you are specifically talking about beating teams down the field and having Jalen Hurts beat teams from the pocket, I will never believe that's going to happen until I see it on a consistent basis. And Jalen Hurts said it himself, I believe on WIP or one of those shows, that he that's the next step that he needs to take. And from what everyone is saying, uh, you know, from uh, every sort of thing I heard last night, there was one hype video, a couple hype videos of AJ Brown, but other than that, a lot of it was, "Wow, Jalen Hurts doesn't look that good," and the, and the, the passing offense does not look that good down the field. Now, I implore someone to come on here and tell me I'm wrong for thinking this way or or, or believing what I believe. Uh, again, specify and would love to reiterate. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he becomes a great pocket passer. I hope he becomes. A, a, a good thrower of the football and is able to dissect defenses and, and just takes that next step in that leap that we all need him to do, the Eagles need him to do, the city wants him to do, and that just Eagles fans and football fans would like to see it because we just want to see great players continue to grow. I don't see it. I don't see how it's going to happen. I don't have faith that it's going to happen. And unfortunately, it's starting to put a damper on my 13-4. and four, And it's looking like I may have to make some adjustments. I'm not there yet. But a couple more weeks of these ducks and him getting sacked and him holding the ball and dirt balls and throwing the football away and the offense not being able to move the ball, throwing, it's concerning. It truly, it truly is concerning. But with that, I get out of here, ladies and gentlemen. This has been the Hot Take Hotbox we will have the Shoulder Strikes MMA podcast again this week. A full episode with me and Ty. Uh, we're, we're cooking up something. Maybe we're going to move to you know more than one episode a week. We shall see. Uh, like I said, we're gonna. I'm going to try and keep keep growing this, keep expanding it. I love you all. Thank you for listening. Hot Take Hot Box, Matt McSweeney. Thank you for listening again.